baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by John Erlinghauser, Director of Advocacy for AARP Connecticut. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, on your agenda again this year is legislation related to third-party electricity suppliers. This is when you decide not to take the standard offer from either Eversource or United Illuminating, and you go out into the market and see if you can find a better price when it comes to the generation portion of your bill. And sometimes people do, sometimes people don't. You got that right. I mean, there's not many people in the state that actually get that component of it. So uh, kudos to you for that. But yes, it's uh, it's a market that's been around for 20 years now, and we're just consistently finding problems with this. And uh, we're coming back to the well one more time to get some protections for consumers. Uh, we had a piece of legislation last year. Unfortunately, we never were able to get it passed. Uh, we ran out of time. So there's a new piece of legislation this year. We have uh, strong support for it. Um, and it is a new Consumer Bill of Rights that will, amongst other things, provide for restitution for aggrieved customers. So anybody who gets ripped off or taken by one of these suppliers will now have the ability through Pura to get restitution for the money they were ripped off. Uh, previous to that, that was not an option. So that's very, very important. There are new strong protections in there for door-to-door -door sales or telephone marketing of sales contracts to individuals, which is where the overwhelming majority of bad practices take place. And then the thing that's uh, most important and that I'm uh, most happy with is the removal of any cancellation fees uh, for uh, getting out of a contract that isn't in your benefit. Um, you know, we used to have con uh, cancellation fees that went up to as high as $250, $300. So people would get stuck in a bad deal. And sometimes it was more effective for them to stay in that bad deal and pay the cancellation fees. Now uh, we reduce those to $50. It's still problematic because it's still locking in the people I care about the most, you know, seniors, low income people who are low usage customers. So even that $50 cancellation fee may lock them into a bad deal. So that's going to be eliminated. So those are the three major components of the bill. We'd like to see other things. We'll try to get them in legislation. Um, but, but it's a pretty good bill. There have been protections enacted previously. Tell us what is still happening to some consumers in the market. Well, so let's just give you one good example. Back five years ago, we banned variable rate contracts for, uh, for third-party electric suppliers, and that was a big issue because people would get in on a teaser rate, and then you know their rate would fluctuate, and sometimes it would triple. And so we banned variable rate contracts. That was five years ago. But because the way these contracts work is that you're automatically renewed in your contract unless you uh, proactively take action at the conclusion of that contract, there are still 30,000 people in the state of Connecticut 
who are being automatically renewed in an exist uh, pre-existing variable rate contract that's over six years old. That just tells you how problematic this market is because it's it's very confusing. People think it's set it and forget it. You know, they they are promised a low rate when they get into it, and they think, well, I never have to think about this ever again. And unfortunately, that's not the case. So that's one of the areas we're looking to have the very good piece of legislation that was put forth by um, the chairs of the committee, Senator Norm Needleman and uh, Representative David Arconti. Um, but we'd like to see if we can do something about auto, new, auto renewing of contracts, particularly as it relates to those people, 30,000 of them that are in a variable rate contract. It's amazing to me that so many years after that type of contract was banned, so many people are, are still in it. You know, it, it amazes me. We do a, a public service program around the state of Connecticut and uh, run by our volunteers. They make the presentations, and it's called What I Need to Know About My Electric Choices. And what's amazing is that people will come in and say, oh, I know all about this. I know how to do it. You know, we say, bring a copy of your bill. And as the volunteers go through this presentation, which is about how to read your bill, how to understand the market, whether it's right for you or not, and if it is, how to make the determination on what supplier to choose. At the end of these presentations, always there's at least a third of the people that have chosen a supplier who come up to us, won't say it publicly in front of the group, they had no, you know, but they'll say, I can't believe I'm getting ripped off because that's how complicated it is. There are people who think they're getting a good deal, have the bill in their hand, until after the presentation, don't realize they're getting ripped off. And, you know, the Office of Consumer Counsel, who it's now has an interim head, uh, Rich Soboleski, puts out a report uh, every month. And the latest report shows it's something like $300 million overpaid to third-party electric suppliers uh, versus people who are on standard offer, which is just astounding to me that, that this goes on over the course of four years. Another thing that's interesting, regulators in Connecticut – have banned, uh, put out a ruling late uh, in 2019 saying that if you're a hardship customer, that is somebody who gets energy assistance, which we, by the way, pay for. All ratepayers pay for the energy assistance of those that need it. And that's a good thing. We need to have energy assistance programs for those who need it. But yet they've found that something like $4 million overpaid by hardship customers for those that are getting third-party electric suppliers. And that's all money that we're paying. So we're paying these companies more than we need to to help people who need energy assistance. So um, as of July 1, all of those customers are going to have to be moved back to standard offer. It'll be better for them, and it'll save us money. And, you know, you get people who say, well, why are they there in the first place? Well, many of them are low income, poor, live in an inner city, um, have English as a second language, and they get preyed upon by these companies they don't understand what they're getting into, and they're not, they're not aware of the fact that they have to monitor their bills. And so, you know, it just goes to the abusive nature of the business. We're going to hopefully, with this piece of legislation, uh, wind some of those practices down. But, um, you know, we're going to get to a point, and, and the chairs have said it of the committee, that if they don't shape up, um, we're going to just have to say this, this market has to go for residential customers because – uh, too many bad things are happening, and it's costing uh, ratepayers in Connecticut too much money when we already pay the highest electric rates in the continental U.S. So, um, I, you know, it's something that's a passion for me because I hate to see people getting ripped off unnecessarily, and we're going to continue to fight for the uh, ratepayers of Connecticut on this. In fact, some consumer advocates have already taken that step and said this needs to go for 
residential customers. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, there are people that really believe this market has to go. Ellen Katz last year, who was the consumer counsel ratepayer advocate in Connecticut, but before she uh, uh, left to take another job, a call for the end of the market. We supported that. Um, what that did, though, is at least brought us to a discussion where we could get these strong protections that we're talking about. You know, it's kind of, you know, uh, the legislators are tired of hearing from me, our members and the public about this. So I'm hopeful that we can get these protections in, stop the abusive practices. And, and not all of these suppliers are bad, um, but, you know, it's it's to a point where things are so bad that if this piece of legislation doesn't shape them up, then we really have to seriously consider doing away with the uh, retail market for residential customers because um, it's really, really, really complicated. What advice do you have for an electricity consumer who has a third-party plan in terms of monitoring it and making sure they're not getting taken? Check your bill every single month. You, you know, we fought very hard for for a protection that puts on the face of your bill, front page, what you're paying for electricity, who your supplier is, when your contract expires, and whether or not you're saving money or paying more money than the standard service. All of this is clear in a box on the front page of your electric bill. So you need to monitor that every single month. And if you see something that's not right, you need to call uh, Pura, Department of Consumer Protections, or Eversource and United Eliminating and say you want to get back to standard service. You know, the thing that's also interesting, on that front page of the bill, it tells you what you're going to be paying the next month before you use the electricity. And that's like a, a groundbreaking uh, protection because in the old days, you know, you were stuck. You, you, you know, electricity is not like gasoline where you go to the pump, you fill your tank, you know how many gallons of gas you're getting and you pay the attendant. Electricity, you use the product. And then after you use it, you're on the hook for the bill. So if you're getting taken, it's too late once you find out. So that protection of knowing what you're going to be paying the next month is critical because that will tell you whether or not you're going to save money. And I, I, we, our volunteers give one very important recommendation to folks about thinking about going into the market. The state says the average usage for residential customers uh, in electricity is about 750 kilowatt hours a month. So we tell folks if you're using that or more, you know, sometimes all electric homes, they use 2,000, 3,000 kilowatt hours a month. It might be worth going into the market to try to save money if you're willing to do everything you need to do to monitor the situation, understand the terms of your contract, and look month to month. If you're using less than that, it's probably not worth your while to go into the market because the risk far outweighs the re potential reward in uh, using a third-party supplier. And the number of fines and penalties has grown. Um, we put out a list with the Consumer Council. There's something like 16 suppliers in the last couple of years that have had fines, some of them in the millions of dollars. So, you know, you really have to think hard about it before you do it. One other development in this market is a proposal that would allow a city or town to switch everyone who doesn't opt out within that community over to a certain provider. Yeah, I mean, it's a very well-intentioned provision. There are some environmental advocates across the state who think that by doing this proposal, it's called community choice aggregation, that it would put um, 
more re- green options of to the individual residents in those cities and towns. So right now, if you're in a city like New Haven, the chance of you being able to get solar are, are low because you might be a renter and uh, you don't have the ability to put rooftop solar on. So what this proposal would do would take everybody as a group, switch their supplier to one third party, and then you know, you would be at the mercy of that third-party supplier. Now, presumably, it would be a green option. What the advocates are saying is it will save money, but that's not really their MO. They're looking to get green options. Admirable. Don't oppose that. Um, we don't have policy on, on environmental issues. We're looking out at rates and cost and impact to consumers. Our concern is this. We did a survey that says 85% of voters age 15 and older in the state of Connecticut oppose having their electricity switched without their prior written consent. That's number one. But number two, we have the most competitive standard offer in, in, in the country. We work to make sure that standard offer was a good competitive benchmark stable for people. If you take people off of the stand, standard offer in large numbers, you're hurting the economy of scale that exists with standard service today. Approximately 70% of residential households are on the standard service. If you pull big parts of them off, the scale goes down, meaning the cost for all the other ones go up. So that even if initially a town saves money on a community choice aggregation proposal, it's a false savings because you're raising the rate of standard service. So you're not really doing anybody any good. So there's a lot of misinformation out of it. Um, environmental advocates are doing a great job of, of kind of giving their side of the story, but I think the public also has to know the impact that it'll have to everybody. So I know in this area, uh, in the Hartford area around where your radio station is, uh, Simsbury and uh, um, West Hartford have passed resolutions calling for this, but I think once they understand the facts, um, it, it will not come to pass. Right now there's a bill being proposed to study this, we would support that study because I think it'll bear out the things that I'm concerned about. Um, number one, people don't want their supply switched without their consent. But two, that it would weaken and destabilize and raise the rates for standard service, thereby raising everybody's electric rates in Connecticut. And once again, I, I hate to you know kick a dead horse on, on an issue, but we pay the highest electric rates in the continental U.S. And it's because we get these proposals all the time. And they always sound like a great idea, but it's the law of unintended consequences. And, uh, you know, I tell people if I had a nickel for every time somebody came in with a new energy proposal that was going to lower our rates, I could retire today. And uh, so uh, that's that's where this thing stands. I, I hope people really give it the due diligence and the review that it needs because it's not all that it's uh, made out to be. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to John Erlinghauser, Director of Advocacy for AARP Connecticut. Also on your agenda this year, prescription drug prices. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge national priority for AARP in Connecticut. My colleague, uh, Anna Dergazi, is leading our efforts on our what we call the Stop RX Greed campaign. And we're working at both. Uh, it's one of the first times AARP has, has coordinated in all of our uh, states and regions uh, and at the federal level on, an, on a, partic- a single issue. And it's about you know reducing drug costs. We pay uh, some of the highest drug costs in the, in the, in the world. And we think it's very important that uh, our policymakers start to address that. 
Um, there's absolutely no reason why um, we should be in a position that the same drugs that you can get in Canada, our neighbor, that are most likely manufactured in the United States, cost just a fraction of what they do here in the United States. So we're pushing for several proposals at the state level to address that. Um, you know, just off the top, we're looking to deal with the issue around insulin and cost <clears throat> cap the cost of insulin for people because that's just particularly egregious. I mean, you know, Big Pharma always says <clears throat> the reason we have to uh, charge so much is because we invest so much of our money in research and development and we have to be able to recoup that. Well, insulin's been around forever. There's been no major changes to insulin that warrant the fact that that drug is, you know, increasing in cost multiple times greater than the rate of inflation. So, you know, that makes no sense. Um, we're also looking at doing uh, supporting legislation that's in the governor's budget, and we believe that the insurance committee will propose to have reimportation of uh, safe drugs from countries like Canada uh, through the state of Connecticut back into uh, here so that people can get access to those costs, uh, drugs at a, at a fraction of the cost that they currently are paying. And then, you know, there are other things that we're looking at doing uh, potentially like uh, a drug review boards and things like that. So there are a lot of proposals out there. We have strong support from the administration, Governor, Governor Lamont's office, as well as from the co-chairs of the Insurance and Real Estate Committee um, and, uh, and the ranking members. I mean, this is really a bipartisan issue. People really support it overwhelmingly. You know, when you talk about issues where there's, you know, 90% support among the public, there are very few and far between in this political environment. Prescription drug cost is one of them where you get 90% support and particularly for issues that we're promoting like importation, like capping the cost of insulin. So we're hopeful. Um, we got far last year with our importation legislation. It came out of the House with a strong bipartisan vote. Uh, it got stalled into the Senate in the last couple of days, and that sometimes happens. The calendar runs out. Um, we now have the governor who put it in his budget proposal, so we're hopeful that we can uh, get it done this time and hopefully with the uh, time to spare. Another topic you're watching closely is the matter of age discrimination, especially when it comes to job seekers. And a proposal at the legislature just got the endorsement this past week of the governor's council on women and girls. Yes, it's absolutely important. It's uh, we're, we've been working for several years. It's being spearheaded by Nora Duncan, our state director, and that is to deal with the issue of uh, age discrimination for the 50 plus worker in the workplace. And <clears throat> right now, if you go to apply for a job, you're required to give your date of birth and the years of your education. And <clears throat> you're going to eventually find that out as an employer no matter what. But what concerns us is a, about that is that well-qualified employees, are potential, potential employees, are being screened out of the process before they even get their foot in the door based on their age. And it could be for a whole host of reasons. You know, it could be because they don't want to pay them too much. It could be because, you know, they, they think they're, they're not as productive as a younger worker. I'm not going to question what those motives are, but what we do know is that it's the wrong thing to do. So we have legislation that has been spearheaded by State Senator uh, Derek Slapp from West Hartford, who started working in this when he was State Representative Derek Slapp. Uh, he's chair of the aging committee. It's 
uh, had a public hearing in the aging committee. And what this bill will do is remove uh, for most job categories the ability to have to require the date of birth and the times of education on an uh, employment application. What I will say is that this bill is another one of those bills where we have absolutely overwhelming, strong bipartisan support. Um, we did press conferences and public hearings on it. Republicans stood with their Democratic colleagues and strongly endorsed the legislation. And interestingly enough, uh, the Connecticut Business and In Industry Association has come out strongly in favor of this piece of legislation. So we are pretty confident that we're going to get this done. It's long overdue. We think it's the first step in, in really getting to the issue of age discrimination, particularly in the area of unemployment with the 50-year-old-plus worker. Now, the AARP was one of the leading advocates for a Connecticut State Retirement Authority, basically helping people who don't have a workplace retirement savings plan to save for their golden years. It was created in 2016. It's kind of gotten off to a rough start, though. Its only paid employee has been let go. The governor has now proposed folding it into the office of the state controller. Bring us up to date on what's going on there. So you're absolutely right. There were a few bumps in the road, uh, particularly uh, the last quarter of 2019. But uh, AARP is absolutely pleased with what the action that Governor Lamont's office has taken, which will take the Retirement Security Authority, put it within the office of the state comptroller, and <clears throat> State Comptroller Kevin Lembo will then chair the authority, um, which is really important. And why that's critical is that he was the one who spearheaded the two-year study, which had a similar kind of group of people that brought us to the point of passing the original legislation. He, along with uh, Speaker Joe Arsimowitz and Senate President Marty Looney, were the key people that spearheaded this legislation working with AARP and some other folks. And so knowing that he was going to shepherd this legis uh, this uh, process to its you know final destination, which is that the 600,000 people in Connecticut who need to save for retirement through payroll will now be able to is is really critical to us. We're, we're pleased with it. It was what we were pushing to have happen. Uh, the thing that's also noteworthy is that they're appropriating $75,000 to support uh, the administration of this program in the Office of Comptroller, which is the first time that the state has appropriated any money to do any work on this project. So between the resources of the state comptroller and his office, the appropriation from the governor's budget, um, we think that hopefully by the end of the year, if not the beginning of next year, people who currently have no access to retirement savings will be able to get it. The likely way this will happen is by partnering with one of the existing states that currently already did all the buildup of their operation. One great example would be the state of Oregon. They've been up and running now for two years and, and have been, uh, right now, the people who are in the program in Oregon have saved up to uh, something like $40 million in assets. So their program is up and running and up to scale. We think it would be quite easy for Connecticut to tap into that and uh, have our employers and employees participate in that program, having that overseen by our authority and uh, under the leadership of Kevin Lembo. So we're actually quite excited. Um, what happened in the uh, November, December months of 2019 is actually an opportunity for us to jumpstart this. And I, and I will say this about the Lamont administration. 
Um, the Malloy administration wasn't a big fan of this program to begin with. Um, we kind of really had to force passage of this legislation. But the way that the Lamont administration saw the problems that existed, took control of fixing them and setting us on a path to getting this done is very pleasing to us and our allies who support the program. He is John Erlinghauser, Director of Advocacy for AARP Connecticut. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Aaron, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 